All right, brothers, welcome back to another episode of Porn in the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and really glad to be here with you. It's Sunday, September the 11th, and I wanted to come to you. I'm going to do something a little bit different. A couple of things up front. I have been recording this podcast uh, as of August for a year, and I've got, um, I, I don't remember how many episodes I have, like 40-something episodes that are on this podcast. But what I want you to do, I want to ask you to do, if you have found any kind of value in this podcast, I, I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and pause it and leave a review. Like, click five stars if you're listening to it on Apple iTunes. I would love to read a review because that's what people do. They People come and they check these things out and they look at the reviews to see, hey, what are other people saying? Um, I was really kind of surprised. I went to Spotify the other day because somebody mentioned that they found it on Spotify and they were like 48 or 48 five-star reviews or something like that. So I was pretty, I guess more people are finding things on Spotify these days, finding podcasts, which is great. So yeah. Anyway, if you have found any kind of help or thought this is worth sharing and you would want somebody else to share it with you, um, then go ahead and leave a review. So that's, that's first thing. Second thing I want to tell you about is uh, something that I am going to be doing, going to be kicking off October 1, and this is going to be, I don't know how many of you know, but for the past couple of years, I have been coaching men uh, personally one-on-one in very, um, uh, you know, just in a very uh, one-off type of situation, and it's been really, really rewarding. I've learned a lot. Um and but but what I've noticed is like my capacity to do that is is limited. Uh, like I can only uh, have so many guys that I'm personally interacting with on a daily slash weekly basis. And so, what I've decided to do is I'm gonna I'm gonna shift a little bit. I've never talked about this on the podcast. Uh, never, never sold anything. Never like said, hey, you need to go and buy this or do this. But what I am going to do is I'm going to I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, at least up until October one. And what I'm doing is I am going to be um, doing group coaching for 10 men starting October one. And this is going to be uh, very, very hands on. One of the things that I noticed is that when men gather in small groups, and are super open and honest with each other, like big things happen. And and I just don't mean big things as far as like pornography, uh, freedom from pornography and stuff like that. That is that is also true, but big things when it comes to their relationships with their wives, with their kids, in their business. And so this is specifically going to be for businessmen, married businessmen. That's this is who it's for. And the reason I say that is because that's who I am. Like it's easy for me to identify with a businessman who's struggling to build something, whether whether you own your own company or whether you are like part of leadership of another company, you're striving to build something big. And you have so you have the pressure of that work. You have the pressure of 
your family at home, like leading a wife, leading children, then you have more than likely you're called to be a leader in your local church. So there's the pressure of leading in your local church and being an example. And just the facts, like, listen, I know there are so many men who are leading in church right now who are struggling with pornography and struggling with masturbation. And I'm telling you, it, it, cripples your ability to lead from authenticity. And so I was just thinking, I was just writing down the different ways, like the ways that porn has caused me to struggle first spiritually, right? So very little confidence with God. And I'm going to get into this podcast because I was reading Psalm 66, verse 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened if I had cherished or hidden or loved iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This is right after he says, I'm going to tell you what God's done for me. Like I cried out to him with my mouth and essentially he heard me. So how, how was pornography killing me spiritually? Well, I had no confidence that God was listening to my prayers. I was not fulfilling the calling that he had given me, my prayer life was weak. I had no authenticity spiritually to lead other men. And, and at the end of the day, I just felt distant from God, especially after I had looked at porn. And what about my family life? Like how was porn impacting my family life? Because this, what I'm going to do with men starting October one with a small group of men is this is going to be for married businessmen because I know the pressure in, in the family. So how was it hurting the family life? Well, my relationships really, like if you want to be honest about it and I'm just thinking about my wife, man, they were, they were marred with dishonesty and deception. My wife, <laughs> Whenever she would find out or whatever, she would become angry and upset. My wife was feeling sexually inadequate. I was losing emotional and spiritual connection with her. Losing sexual desire with her. Right? Trouble keeping fantasies out of my mind. Like, I can't tell you like how big of a problem this is. When, when men who are struggling with porn and masturbation, when their mind gets still... Like these images and these fantasies and these thoughts come in and they start just, just wreaking havoc. Not to mention things like sexual dysfunctions, like inability to orgasm, delayed ejaculation, PIED, or what's called porn-induced erectile dysfunction. L listen, this happens. This happens. We all know this. So, so this is how it impacts your relationship with your wife, not to mention with your kids. How can you, like, I just have thought about, like, not wanting my kids to follow in the same footsteps, but there's zero possibility of having open and honest conversations about pornography if you are a man who struggles with it. Like, how can we do this? from a place of authenticity. And so then I started thinking about work. Like this is, this impacts people who are called to lead people in the workplace. It's hard to lead other people when you can't even lead yourself. When you can't lead yourself, you cannot lead other people. A lot of 
a lot of men are preoccupied with porn at work. And so they're not contributing a hundred percent porn consumes the mind and the creativity, the creative energy. And it absolutely impacts your ability to do meaningful work. So a lot of pressure coming at guys. Like it's insane to think about all the pressure from guys who are called to lead in at the home, called to lead at the church level, called to lead in business, and then called to lead yourself spiritually. Like this is a big deal. And so I say all that to say, I am opening, I'm going to open up 10 spots. This is going to be a group. We're going to meet on a weekly basis. There's going to be a high degree of accountability, a high degree of honesty with each other. There's going to be a high degree of trust. And so if you're a man out there and you are a businessman who's been called to lead in the home, lead at church, lead at work, lead yourself, then I want to invite you. And, and so I am, uh, there, there will be a page you can go to. I'll just go ahead and say the page. I haven't created it yet. By the time you listen to this though, it will be created. And the, the page is naturalpornkiller.com slash apply. Just apply. And yes, it's not going to be free. It is going to cost something. So I just want to go ahead and get that out in the open. But if you want to join a group of men who's serious about going to war against this sin and, and finding freedom, finding freedom without painful therapy, without useless porn blockers, and without telling every single person you know, then you can sign up. And if you apply and, you know, you're one of the first 10 that do so, then, then we'll, then we, you and I will hop on a phone call. I'll walk you through everything. We'll talk more about it. I'll answer any questions and then um, we'll take it from there. So that's how I wanted to start this podcast, but I do have something I want to share with you that was from my reading this morning that man alive, man, the Lord is so good. He's so good to us. And I'm so thankful for his word. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that uses the word to convict, but also to heal and to encourage and to comfort. And so I just want to, like I mentioned before, I was in Psalm 66, 16 through 20 this morning. I just want to read this part of it. And um, if you Go to the YouTube channel. I'll also uh, put up these notes on the screen. I'll this will this will be a video, but I'll I'll share these notes with you. Um, he says this: Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what He has done for my soul. I cried to Him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my repair my he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love for me. Like the Lord is merciful and gracious and I just started thinking this morning like why does he even listen to me? Why does he even care for my soul so much? Why is he so concerned with me finding joy in him. 
Like, brothers, we have to realize if if you have any kind of desire in you, no matter how smothered with, like, sin it is, if there's a faintest desire to know God more and to walk in purity and holiness, you just need to understand that is God calling you to this. This is not because you're a spiritual person. Like David said earlier, his steadfast love is better than life. But this one verse, verse 18, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So this is what I thought about. I was just thinking the heart does a great job of cherishing things. It's just a matter of what it's cherishing. It can cherish sin or it can cherish self or it can cherish Christ. It cannot cherish both things, cannot cherish sin in Christ, and it cannot cherish self in Christ. But the heart must cherish something. It must love something. And I think it's interesting that David's writing these words. He's being very, very public about this, and he was very public in Psalm 51 about a sin, right? He was very public, like, I committed adultery. This is what I did. And so if you and I want prayers to count, and if we want power from on high to see our families impacted, to see the people we work with impacted, to see our church impacted, then what must we cherish? This is what David said. He said, "Come and hear." <laughs> he was. He, this was. He was like, "Listen, everybody, all you people of God, come and hear. Anyone who fears God, come listen to me. I've got something to tell you." And guess what? The man who struggles with porn and masturbation, who's trapped in this sin, this circle of insanity, he does not say, come and hear what God has done for me because he feels too much shame. This is what Charles Spurgeon said about this, this one verse. He says, nothing hinders prayer like iniquity harbored in the heart. As with Cain, so with us. Sin lies at the door and blocks the passage. If you refer, if you refuse to hear God's commands, he will surely refuse to hear your prayers. You know, for the longest time, I was I would say I was praying for God to take this sin away from me, porn to like Lord take porn away from me. And and it never happened. Like I still struggled. And I wondered why. Like, I'm praying, God, why aren't you taking this away? And I just came to realize that what I was really doing was I was attempting to use prayer as like some magic spell, and it would poof, disappear. What I really wanted was the easy button. What I really wanted was God just to magically take it away without me submitting in humility to his word and obeying him. And so what is one of the, those things that was 
keeping me from that? Well, what I believe is there's there were two things. Number one is a confession of that sin. Now, I was confessing to God, but I would not bring other people into that, at least not wholeheartedly. And then I was not like surrounding myself with brothers who were seeking and desiring the exact same things as I was. So what I, what I thought and what I was thinking about this morning and wrote down was the challenge for many men is that we're never taught or discipled in the way of confession of sin. Like, Many of us were never loved through a deep battle with sin or a deep in like str- a deep battle and struggle with rebellion. It's it's always been our duty to put on a brave face and show up. Better to pretend than depend is what we think. And it's not right, it's not true. And so And so we have a bunch of men in the church that appear to have their life put together, and it's just not true. It's a fantasy. And so pastors who love their church faithfully stand up and preach the gospel every single week to their church, to their congregation. This is what they must do because it's only through the gospel that we find freedom. And Or, or I should say, but, but, like, the gospel once a week is not enough. The gospel once a week isn't enough. The proper method of a believer living in community with the church is to gather together. So what is the church for? It's a, ga- it's a gathering of believers to proclaim the majesty and the glory of Christ, to hear the word preached, the gospel preached, to take communion together, to remember the Lord's sacrifice together. That is what church is for. But you also have six other days during the week, and your duty is to preach the gospel to yourself every single day. But many of us don't know what it is to be discipled in the way of confession because we're only seeing the so-called good life that people lead. And so what happens is when we pretend instead of depend, like this is birthed out of fear or pride, fear or pride. And it keeps us from humbly crying out to God and battling sin that's deeply lodged in our hearts. And so I did a, a cross-reference on Psalm 66, 18, just looking at some other verses. Proverbs 28, 9 says, if one turns his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. And brothers, those of us who are who are looking at porn and, and indulging in masturbation, this is a slow hardening of our heart. We begin to turn our ear away from hearing God's word. Like the truth becomes painful to us. The truth becomes painful and we turn our ear. We're like, well, maybe if I just don't listen to it as much. Like I have a brother, a man alive, a friend who who has done this. 
and he's completely turned his back on the faith. And my heart hurts for him. But I'll, I'll confess, like, I wasn't too far away from that. I wasn't too far away from that. Like, I was, I was hearing less and less from the Lord. I was praying less and less. Like, the guilt and the shame made me think, ah, God's mad at me. He doesn't want to hear from me again. So be careful. Isaiah 59, 1 through 3 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. Okay, so brother, hold on. Let me stop right there. For those of you who are listening to this, this who think I'll never be free from porn, that is a lie. And you will believe every lie you tell yourself. If you're saying that, then you are saying, God, you're not powerful enough. You're not strong enough. You're not enough, period. And this was Isaiah's warning to the people. He says this, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but, but, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your lips have spoken lies. Man, when fear and not love reigns in my heart, I will seek and speak lies that justify my sins instead of going to war against my sin. So when this happens, it's, it's crazy because when we feel like our spiritual life is not what it should be, many times, instead of digging in and going to war with our sin, we start giving up. Have you been there? Like, have you given up? Have, are you on the verge of giving up? I want to encourage you, brother. Don't give up. Dig in. Because let me, let me, I want to read this passage to you. I want to show you what happens if you give up. So what is a life of hiding in fear, hiding in darkness, pretending to have it all together? Everything looks good on the outside. It's not going well on the inside. What does that life produce? Well, it produces the exact opposite of what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 4. So this is what he says in 2 Corinthians 4. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. But I want to tell you, brother, that when your life is filled with hiding, hiding your browser history, hiding your activity from your wife, hiding, 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 when it's lived in fear of getting caught, when it's lived in fear of what other people think, when it's lived in fear of confession and not confessing sin, when you're hiding in darkness and pretending, you will lose heart. And, and maybe many of you today are who are listening to this are losing heart. And then what happens when you start to lose heart and when you live a life of fear and hiding? Paul says, your outer self is wasting away, but that's not true. Your outer man begin, grows stronger and stronger. Your sin life grows stronger and stronger. Your pretending grows greater and greater, and your inner self, your inner man is wasting away. 
but your outer man, your flesh is being renewed day by day. He goes on to say, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. But that's not what happens to us. Any light and momentary affliction that we endure when we're living in darkness and hiding our sin, we start to think, well, this is God punishing me. God doesn't love me. Why is he allowing this to happen to me? We see everything as winning and losing and never as winning and learning. We don't see it as loving discipline bringing us back. We're not, we're not concerned with an eternal weight of glory. What we want is a, like a, just something we can see and we touch and our, and our minds and our hearts and our affections become attracted to everything that is temporal and not to what is eternal and unseen. When our outer man, when we, when we are struggling with porn so much, what happens is our outer man is being renewed and reinforced and rewarded. What happens is we focus on the things that are seen and neglect the weightier spiritual matters of our soul. Verse 18, Paul says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We lose sight of eternal truth. We lose sight of eternal meaning and eternal power and we start seeking and we start loving we start desiring and we start cherishing everything that is temporal this is why money matters so much to us this is why acceptance matters so much to us this is why all of the things that the world says are important matters much to us and Having God's ear matters so little. And we lose heart. Every affliction is seen as unfair and punishment, as opposed to preparation for eternal glory. Like I was just this morning writing and thanking God that he still convicts of sin and he still has much sin in me to root out. Like, and I need brothers who I can confess sin to. So I did that this morning. Brothers, there's about eight or nine of us that we meet once a quarter. We talk every week. We have a call once a month. And I will tell you, this has made a massive, massive difference in my life. Like, I know everything about these guys. They know everything about me. And because I don't have anything to hide, I don't, don't fear. I don't fear. And because I know they love me, I can confess my sin and say, I fall short so often. And I can confess to God and he hears me. My confession is just more evidence of his grace. Like in grace, he allows us to confess. <laughs> it's not because I'm a good person at all. 
It's because he allows me to come and kneel and confess. And by his grace, he's led me to brothers who care about my soul more than they care about their next promotion or their building a massive business, even though, even though I will say these guys are all leaders in their business, own businesses, whatever the case is. Like that's why we can identify with each other. Every one of us has wives and has kids. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying if you're single, you shouldn't be listening to this and you shouldn't find people and brothers who who absolutely will hold you to a higher standard. You know, I was talking with a buddy of mine um, the other day, and we were talking about the parable of the talents. And he was just saying, he said, you know, when I read that passage and when I look at that, I feel like such a loser. I feel like someone with one talent and I'm not even using that. I'm burying that talent. And I said, no, no, brother. It's much more serious than that. <laughs> I was speaking. I was preaching to him. I was preaching to myself as well. I said, you can never say you're, you're a one-talent servant. I can never say I'm a one-talent servant. And I said, let's back up and look at this. There's seven and a half billion people on the planet. You and I live in the United States. There are 350, 330 million people in the United States. You and I live where we live, have certain freedoms that we have, have income that supports a certain lifestyle. How could we ever say we're one talent? We have access to any, to a Bible anytime we want it. We have access to the most incredible teaching and preaching that we could ever hope for to help explain the gospel to us. How could we ever say we're one talent? I may look at that. I may look at a village preacher in the heart of Africa who his entire life his entire life, he's never owned a car, has lived in a tukul or a mud hut, grown up that way, lived it his entire life, has moved from place to place because of persecution, because of famine or lack of water. I may look at that and say, this, this brother has one talent. Like his opportunities are limited. But praise God, he can take that one talent and he can use it for God's glory. But we will have no excuse. We will have no excuse. So, brothers, if you are cherishing your sin more than you are cherishing Christ, I want to give you good news. What I have discovered. What I have found is that there is more joy in Christ than when pornography is abundant, than when alcohol is abundant, than when food is abundant, than any pleasure this earth tries to convince me, still tries to convince me, is worthy of my worship. And it's just not. Like This is what I found.
This is what I found. And and there's zero people on the planet. There's zero demons who can convince me otherwise. And so this doesn't mean I'm sinless. Like I'm literally just confessed this morning to sin. And I was just thinking and writing and saying, you know, if I, God, if I saw you face to face, would I be so trivial with my sin? Would I treat it flippantly? Or would I fall down to my face like Isaiah and say, woe is me. I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and I have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Man, may God do that in our hearts. May God do that in our spirits today before we see him face to face. Through faith, may we bow down. May we go find a brother and confess. All right, guys, that is all I have. Uh, Check it out on YouTube if you want to. Again, I'll put my notes up there. And if you're interested in applying, if you want to be a part of 10 Brothers Who Go to War, I will walk you through all the details, what it means. This is going to be essentially a 12-month commitment. Like You're going to be committed to these brothers for 12 months at least. Lifetime access to whatever we do, but at least 12 months. And my goal, my hope, my purpose in doing this is so that you would then go multiply that. You would then go tell faithful men who will then go and help other men. Like, this has got to be about multiplication. This is not about me. All right. That's it, guys. I'll be back with another episode of Porn and the Gospel.